Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series reboot. I'm Jessica. I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, we're all grown up and surprisingly muscular in icons. So, Jessica, how's your week doing? Oh, not too shabby. Uh, a lot, a lot of work. We got to do our annual employee appreciation day, so I got to ride some go-karts. That was fun. <laughs> How about you? Oh, nothing to speak of, but once again, I'm looking forward to the weekend. I'll be uh, taking a trip to Massachusetts for uh, Greatest Gen Con. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it's uh, the guys from The Greatest Generation are doing a live tour, and they're hitting Massachusetts, and they're doing a Wrath of Khan show, so that'll be a lot of fun. Do you know if you get any confused board gamers showing up there? <laughs> I don't know. There might be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started on this whole brand new episode. Reboot. All right. So today we're doing season three, episode five, Icons. It first aired on September 17th, 1997. It was written by Christy Marks. The story is by Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. And we have yet another new intro. Holy shit, I was not ready for this intro. Like, <laughs> I knew that Enzo and Andrea were going to get older, but I did not think it would be that sudden. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. There was no transition at all. <laughs> I kind of wish they didn't have this intro. I kind of wish it was just cold open. Yeah, it does kind of spoil it, doesn't it? it? Yeah, it kind of spoils what's happening. And like, it almost makes sense because I could feel myself watching this for the first time and having been like super confused, like, what's happening? Like, what's going on? Like that episode of Buffy where Dawn shows up and I'm like, did I miss an episode where she had a sister? I don't... Right, I had to kind of double check to make sure I didn't skip one. The voice threw me too. I was like, who's talking? Is that Bob? <laughs> like, that's not Bob. <laughs> it's so deep and manly. Who is this? <laughs> and I'm still reeling about the intro before we get into it. Like, can we talk about the shot where Megabyte is just wiggling in his seat? He looks so happy and like pleased with himself. <laughs> I know, it's so great. We're pretty sure we've already seen that scene. I think that's an older scene. But the fact that they just made that one little clip of him wiggling, <laughs> the, uh, the main, his main appearance in this intro. And apparently Enzo is no longer a guardian. He has renounced his title and is just a renegade. My format? I have no format. I am a renegade. I Every time he said the word renegade in the intro and in the episode itself, I just died laughing. Did you hear sticks playing in the background? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, he is all, now like six foot five and muscly as hell, but <laughs> he's still Enzo. So the fact that he's just all like, I'm a renegade. And I'm just like, sure you are, sweetie. Of course you're a renegade. Andrea just like pats him on the back. Uh-huh, sweetie, you are totally a renegade. I'm a loner, Dottie. A rebel. <laughs> so we open in space. And we are zooming around into Saturn's ring, where there's a whole bunch of floating rocks. And our heroes arrive in the form of the aliens from Mars attacks. Which I really like this intro because... Like, I think that this is why we could have gone without the actual intro intro. Yeah. Because you don't know that it's them or what they look like now. Like, you just see these characters and assume it's our heroes. Right. And, you know, like, the green one has a little crazy gold eye patch, which is, you know, a little hint. But 
Uh, otherwise, yeah, like they just say, "Oh, Andrea, watch out!" But like, it's all—they're all speaking in Akinese. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty great. Frisket is a floating brain in a jar. Yeah, I got a huge kick out of this sequence. It's really fun, and they—they're pl- playing this really fun classic sci-fi music, which I really enjoy. Yeah, and then we get to see the users shooting at them from behind, just in a space shuttle, like a normal space shuttle that comes with guns for some reason yeah so they they decide that they're going to stay in the sector and not leave with this game so they tap their icons and finish off the user with a final blast you get to see enzo's now going to be signature move of his eyeball rolling around his head until the glowing m comes up and then blowing the user to smithereens we get a new voice for the gamecube this time yeah, because we're now in a different system. All right, Frisk gets sniffing around, looking for a hydrant that smells like home. And uh, Enzo and Andrea are much older now, <laughs> and they're looking upon this blighted wasteland. We finally get to see our heroes. Enzo is a towering muscle-bound lug with a voice quite a few octaves deeper than he had last episode. A literal golden eye. A literal golden eye. There's your James Bond reference. And Andrea is a midriff-bearing lady with a fun trident. Yeah, she's ditched the shell. She's just walking around in a bra now. <laughs> they both obviously do CrossFit. <laughs> uh, and so how long has it been? <laughs> this is where I'm wondering. It's like, so we'll find out later they've been hopping from game to game, but it's like, they've aged quite a bit. They have. And they'll go into how long it's been. I don't want to like bring that up quite yet for you. But obviously <laughs> it's been long enough for them to go through puberty and then some. It's been several nanos. <laughs> Practically five seconds. <laughs> but a, uh, a few frightened binomes are conferring, and they figure that Enzo and Andrea, having come from the cube, must be users. Are you a good user or a bad user? <laughs> Why, we're not users at all. Which is the first of several kind of Wizard of Oz references that kind of show up later. A- Andrea introduces them to the new binomes and calls Enzo Enzo, but uh, Enzo's not having this kid name stuff anymore. You gotta call him Matrix now. And she assures them that, you know, they're sprites, they mean them no harm, except that Enzo almost frags one of them when he steps on a horn. <laughs> Is that like a little clown-based PTSD? I just figure he must have encountered that same game that Dot did in season one with the awful clown. Probably. <laughs> The binomes scatter, as one would if someone pulls out a gun and starts shooting. (laughs) (laughs) And Andrea scolds him on his poor people skills. So he goes off to see what kind of repairs he can make. And man, everything is all grimdark and humorless. It's like the Zack Snyder DC Universe version of Reboot. It is! That's a very good (laughs) way to discuss it. Except there's actual comedy in this episode. So he's walking down the null-ridden streets using his busted glitch to do a system scan. And that's when he learns there's a virus in town. He heads that away while Andrea finds Mel Brooks in full 2,000-year-old man mode. The one, I understand. The wise, I'm not so sure about. The wise one asks after the third member of their party. And uh, Andrea knowingly says, oh, he's probably causing trouble. Sorry about that. And we cut to a giant praying mantis attacking a young golden boy who just happens to sound exactly like young Enzo. Just happens. A little bit. So now we have Golden Eye Enzo and Golden Boy Enzo. (laughs) I thought he looked more like a crash test on me myself. (laughs) But he's trying to fend off this giant praying mantis with rocks and it's not exactly working. Right. So Golden Eye Enzo frags one of the mantis claws and pins its head to the ground. The mantis asks for mercy from the guardian, but he's like, guardian? 
I don't see any guardians around here. The M on my eyeball doesn't stand for mercy. <laughs> right. They play with your expectations again, because like I fully expected them to say, mercy to a virus? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but sure enough, he is not merciful. He turns the praying mantis into a force ghost, and the kid complains that he didn't really need any help. Yeah, sure, kid. Whatever you say. But you can tell, though, as Matrix walks away coolly that this kid has stars in his eyes. He's found a new hero. <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, Andrea is explaining to the old man how she and Enzo quantum leap their way through different games, trying to find their way back home. And uh, Enzo arrives to inform them that one more lost game means bye-bye binomes. Which I guess brings us back to this idea of winning a game loses you your computer. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this this user is obviously very good and somehow continues to be very good on a very bad PC. <laughs> but when everything's moving like super slow because all the uh, memory is used up, you know? <laughs> So the wise one tries to bribe them. He's like, look, I've offered you all these goods. Will you stay and protect our system? <laughs> and uh, Andrea suggests training the townsfolk to fend for themselves, but Enzo is not making anyone eager to work with him. He's grumping around, being an overall dick to everyone. He storms off, leaving the binum, staring after him in horror, and uh, starts playing with his yo-yo <laughs> in the hallway. And it turns out this is part of their little, like, uh, routine. Yeah, it's a good guardian, bad guardian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This time they only got four. Only four? I thought I'd get at least a dozen. She chalks it up to his bad acting, but uh, Matrix informs her that there's been plenty of times where he's gotten people to come with his little, like, I'm a grumpy man act. <laughs> it's super inspiring to some. <laughs> so they go and confront them, and man, these are some of the grossest binomes I have ever seen. There's one with a big creepy eye who looks like she might be hydrocephalic. Yeah, her, like, her head section is larger than the rest of her. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> It's not just a big eye, it's like a whole big head. <laughs> and then there's another one with these like overalls or like a jersey that goes up past his mouth. Is that is that one Barry? Yeah, Barry, which I'm guessing is a reference to the Flash. <laughs> I like that he pulls the uh want to see it again cuz he totally ran around the system. <laughs> you just blinked. Right. Big head is uh named Gabby and she's a writer. And then there's this dweeby guy who goes, "My name is Jeff. I don't know why I'm here." And then Matrix goes, if "You don't know why you're here." And I don't know why you're here. Thanks, Joe Sergeant. <laughs> There's a red construction worker named Hardboot. My name says it all. And then a game comes, just in time, for no practice whatsoever. <laughs> right. And that's when uh, Golden Boy Enzo runs up to join them, and even tries to pull the tackle move on Big Enzo. Unfortunately, Matrix is built a lot buffer than Bob, <laughs> so he ends up just bouncing off the chest. So then we get, like, a nice little Magnificent Seven joke when they said, well, it's just the six of us. He's like, make that seven. Magnificent. So inside the game, Big Enzo and Little Enzo are at odds. Little Enzo wants to help, but Big Enzo wants him to stay out of the way. Games aren't places for small sprites. <laughs> Andrea calls him on the irony there. Yeah. They're in a dark and possibly haunted forest, and checking the stats, Enzo finds that they are in a game called Kron the Destroyer. The goal is to stop the user from stealing a gold tooth from a castle? What? <laughs> hey, look, it's a video game. I've played some pretty weird video games. <laughs> Steal the gold <laughs> tooth from the castle. <laughs> Andrea points out that now's the time for the team speech. They've really got this thing, like, on lockdown, this whole inspiring the system deal. And now, since these guys are all $5 backers, they all get cool nicknames. Barry is now Overdrive. Gabby is Tweak. 
which I'll be honest, I hate. <laughs> hard boot is hard boot. Some of them are lazier than others. <laughs> and Jeff is tactic. And uh, what's a golden boy? Well, this one requires the biggest stretch because it requires Big Enzo to say, you're really getting my back up. Which I guess means that he's annoying. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they had to write around a way to get his nickname to be backup. <laughs> All right, team, back up it is. It's time to reboot. Gabby's bored, and frankly, so am I at this point. <laughs> you know, things have to get a lot more exciting if you expect me to write a book about you. Don't worry, things will get interesting soon enough. Andrea explains what rebooting is, and we get a rehash of the beetroot joke from two episodes ago. Beetroot? What's beetroot? And it's at this point where I realize you could jump into this show on this episode and be fine. Yeah. Because this is a whole new season premiere or, you know, general rundown of what the show is, what's going on, which probably isn't necessary, but maybe because <laughs> they jump so far in the future, they're trying to, like, alleviate any concerns that this is a different show. Well, and plus, too, it's like you, you don't know who might be catching what reruns, you know, so you got to keep it. That's true. You know, somebody who... We weren't the binge culture at that point in time. Pre-binging. So Andrea goes ahead and reboots into Xena. <laughs> and Gabby goes ahead and reboots into Gabby. So <laughs> I'm sorry, don't you mean tweak? No, that's not happening. <laughs> Matrix reboots into Mel Gibson from Braveheart. And Frisket reboots into Black. He's just a black dog. <laughs> he's, he's just black now. I really love Tactics Reboot, where he turns into a wizard with the one glass that's like star-shaped and got like little rhinestones on it. It's like an Elton John type of thing. Yeah. Backup is just a Scottish kid, which I guess is just him showing that he's like young Enzo. Get it? Now, was the was Hardboot a flying monkey from The Wizard of Oz or something? I, I recognized the look, but I couldn't place it. Oh, I don't know. Maybe? Yeah, I'm not sure what all the references were. But <laughs> I just put him down as warrior. Yeah. Overdrive is, I think, an Indian? Like Native American? <laughs> right. But, like, not, like, real Native American. Like, a white person dressing up as a Native American kind of look. <laughs> so, Golden Boy Enzo gets carried off by a hawk. And so, uh, Elton picks up a feather that's been left behind. And then they head toward the swamp as Gabby dictates. I kind of like that misdirect that he turns around and you think he's going to notice that backup is gone. But uh, no, he was just like, oh, feather. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you need that for? You never know. Could come in handy. So they get to the swamp and uh, Barry hops into a boat that's chained up and starts attacking the chain with his axe. Just as a creature slithers its way through the water and sneaks up behind him. <laughs> had a super gross insect face on it which uh andrea takes as her cue to jump into the lake <laughs> as one does she's like "Ooh, scary monster my turn and then she pulls out this is a new move for her her finger get nails get super long she sticks them in the monster and now she controls him it's kind of like in the movie avatar where they had kind of like controlled the creature by the back of its head you know oh yeah it kind of is she doesn't plug into it, but, I mean, she kind of does. She stabs into it. And outside the game, the townsfolk are wondering what the holdup is, and uh, one of them is wearing a sieve for a hat, which I thought was a nice touch. <laughs> and uh, they're like, so what happens if they lose? And the wise one's like, well, we're screwed. Oh, the eternal deletion, the end of all things, the cut that can never be undone. But don't worry, things will be fine. I'm sure of it. <laughs> That was just a little quick aside. but So back in the game, uh, Andrea tells everyone to get on the monster and they'll ride it to the castle. 
And so uh, Enzo asks where a backup went to, and everyone's like, uh, who? Yeah, good teamwork, guys. That that speech helped. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, goddamn fucking kids, can't keep my eyes off him for a second, and <laughs> goes off to find Golden Boy. Now, now, sweetie, watch your temper. <laughs> so speaking of, backup is hanging precariously from a grate over what seems to be certain death. Yeah, it's like a sewer grate, and he's already inside the castle. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened here, or how Matrix got there, or where they are. Yeah, Enzo finds him right away, and they trade catchphrases to really belabor the point of, like, get it? This is Enzo, huh? Huh? numeric. Yeah! Cool! So Gabby's telling the story of their adventure, and Andrea tells her that she's gotta stop doing that (laughs) yeah she's like can you get off your phone for a fucking minute (laughs) like i'm only gonna be here for like the next five minutes after that it's all up to you so if you could you know actually do it instead of writing the fanfic that'd be cool (laughs) (laughs) so meanwhile the sector is crumbling there's a storm approaching and all the townsfolk look for shelter there's some like really good character design and animation on the mel brooks guy like he's all hunched over and his sections are bent it's a really nice touch Oh, yeah, I like the animation on a lot of these guys, like the little binome guys. Like you pointed out the guy with the sieve on his head, which I thought was. Yeah. And they, they all do look so downtrodden and like awful. <laughs> you could, it feels, you feel it. Yeah, and this this is kind of an overall observation that I found, but it's like I felt like the binomes were far more expressive and had way more personality than Enzo and Andrea did. Like she in particular is like super stiff. Like they built her model and didn't quite know how to animate her. <laughs> but like all the binomes are like super like great yeah i thought they did a really good job with that but speaking of binomes (laughs) the group has reached a bridge to nowhere yeah there's a chasm that they're unable to cross and so the whiz looks in his bag pulls out the feather and he sings if i only had some wings (laughs) (laughs) which allows him to fly up to a fingernail which lowers the castle drawbridge, as fingernails are oft do. <laughs> so uh, elsewhere, Enzo and Golden Boy are fighting some weeping angels. These uh, stone gargoyles are attacking them, and Enzo manages to cut the head off of one. I appreciate Matrix's use of kung fu here <laughs> with his with his Scottish sword. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be certain, so I didn't put this in the show notes for it, but I feel like it's a Highlander reference because you always had, you know, the Scottish guy but with the katana doing and he cut off the head. I was just waiting for the lightning to come out after. Yeah. So meanwhile, the gang have reached the room containing the demon with the golden tooth, which is my favorite Stieg Larsen book. <laughs> we get to see Hardboot fail to realize a trap just in time for the mouth to close. Yes. So now they have to climb onto each other and try to pry it open. And Gabby comments on how strange it is that they haven't seen the user yet, which is a sure sign that the user is going to be the next thing they see. Way to jinx it, Gabby. Speaking of, he bursts in yelling, I want the tooth. You can't handle the tooth. And he bursts in on the two Enzos. No, I believe the two Enzos burst in right after him. Okay, I was real confused here because... You see the knight burst in, and then you see, like, Enzo and the boy react, like, and then Andrea stops Enzo from helping. So I'm like, wait, they were in the same room the whole time? Like, it seemed like they were in separate rooms until this shot. Yeah, it probably could have used one more establishing shot that they were coming in from a different door. But I think that's what was happening, was the user burst in, and then immediately after, we get back up and Enzo burst again. That's that's how I was reading it. That was a real confusing scene. <laughs> Come on, Zeke, what's happening here? <laughs> So Andrea holds Matrix back because it's time for them to do it themselves. And they actually manage to do pretty good. Tactic starts shouting out orders. 
we get Overdrive throwing skulls at the user until he's buried underneath them. <laughs> Gabby and Hardboot try to pry open the mouth, but the staff breaks, and then the user gets back up before being whacked in the face with a metal tongue. So they finally manage to grab the tooth, beat the user, all using teamwork. And before we get to see the game end, we get to see Andrea and Matrix switching their icons, and then Matrix pulls the, the Shane move. And throws his yo-yo to the kid. <laughs> it's like the football player tossing his towel to the fan. Exactly. As they walk off into the sunset, <laughs> Andrea laments, Did that kid remind you of anybody? With no irony whatsoever, he's like, no, not really. <laughs> I don't think I know any kids. Do you know any kids? I don't know any kids. <laughs> and so we see the uh, surrounding our new heroes, including a binome that looks just like young Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> I get the sense that Enzo's just like spreading his seed all over the net, just putting mini Enzos everywhere. Oh God, Enzo! This is what happens when you grow up without sex ed. <laughs> Don't spread your seed everywhere. And then the uh, final shot is of uh, the old wise man bringing out the system repair plans as the sky begins to brighten. Reboot. So I'm starting to get the feeling, but uh, what did you think of this episode, Ben? <laughs> I I had a rough time with this one, <laughs> like. It really felt like I was watching a completely different show, which, you know, if, if that was the goal, then this succeeded. I, uh, <laughs> I really liked the intro with the Mars Attacks aliens. I had a lot of fun with that. But other than that, I just was not feeling this episode at all. I didn't see that. I feel like there was a lot of exposition. There was probably not needed. And it wasn't even the exposition that was the problem. Like, I just wasn't, I didn't feel invested in any, like, what was going on. And I, I don't know. Well, yeah, I think that was part of it is because they're trying to show you this, like, this is who they are now. They're just wandering from place to place and they do this thing every time. Yeah. But, like, you're not seeing any of the emotion from the previous episodes carry into this yet. And none of the lightheartedness that we're used to either. I don't know. I felt like it was still pretty lighthearted. Maybe that was just me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely more serious, especially with Enzo's new brooding demeanor. But I kind of get a kick out of his brooding demeanor. Now, see, I'm not, I'm not into that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm actually not a fan of the adult versions of Enzo or Andrea yet. Like, it could just be the shock talking, like you know, because it was such a jarring um, change. But like I said before, it felt like the binomes all had so much life to them that like the main cast just didn't have. Like all the inspiration and fun detail went to the, the background characters and the aliens. You know? I think that's probably fair for this episode. I remember loving them entirely. It was really fun watching this episode because I was writing all the stuff down for the notes before it happened. Oh, yeah. Because like now, <laughs> now we're at the parts where like, oh, man, I remember this like beat for beat like this is this is the episode i know it's not like you know season one episodes where i was going what happens in this one again <laughs> i was like no and then he says this and then she says this so like we're, we're in your wheelhouse now <laughs> yes exactly but yeah I, I think they were definitely pretty stiff this episode not just from an animation perspective but like you know we just had this very dramatic like emotional moment and mm -hmm. we kind of drop it for this very, like, you know, just FYI, this is what's going on kind of episode. I think it would have been a little bit better to kind of skip the exposition and go straight into resolving some of the emotional stuff. But I, I know they do get there. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like the transition is kind of all explained in the intro with all your with your spoiler scenes. <laughs> yeah. Alphanumeric. So uh, what do we have for bits and bites this week? Oh, man, so many of them. Uh, so we'll start with the writer. 
the writer this week is Christy Marks. We're off of our uh, run of comic book people. Uh, but Christy was once a writer on Gem and the Holograms. So I felt like I needed to shout her out because <laughs> I used to watch so much Gem and the Holograms when I was little. So thank you, Christy, for that. Uh, we also get new voice actors. Uh, so we have Andrea, who's played by Sharon Alexander, and Matrix, who's played by Paul Dobson. And it's kind of funny the both of them, their acting credits, they're in a lot of stuff together. Oh, yeah. Or maybe not, if not together, they're in a lot of the same shows. It's like a package deal. <laughs> yeah. So they're both in Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. They're both in Inuyasha. They're both in Transformers Energon. They're both in Elemental Jalad. So a lot of, lot of anime kind of stuff. Which actually, Matrix's actor, Paul Dobson, uh, was the voice of the big bad in Inuyasha. And I remember watching that with the same roommate that I watched Reboot with. So we, I remember that being a thing of her being like, oh my god, it's Matrix. Matrix's voice in the bad guy. <laughs> and then onto the episode itself. So the whole intro is obviously a reference to the 1996 movie Mars Attacks. Yeah. Complete with ack, ack, acts. <laughs> uh, we get some Wizard of Oz references in there, such as, are you a good user or a bad user? Why? I'm not a user at all. We get Barry the super fast bino, who I can only assume is supposed to be Barry Allen. We get a really lovely Gabrielle and Xena reboot. Xena was like pretty big right about now, so I was really excited to see that. And we even got Gabrielle's kind of character as well as the actual look, because that's what Gabrielle did, was she followed Xena around and wrote down her stories. Oh, so she was literally, like, dictating? Just... She wanted to be a bard and follow Xena around and tell the story of Xena, the warrior princess. We get the lovely, I want the tooth, you can't handle the tooth, a uh, reference to A Few Good Men. Uh, and then we get the game's title and titular user, Cron uh, the Destroyer, which is obviously a reference to Conan the Destroyer, uh, with with good old Arnold. Yeah. Though he didn't he didn't speak in a Arnold accent, which which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, and then we finally get the tiny Bynum at the end, who's dressed exactly as Enzo was. Little creepy proto Enzo. <laughs> Though we get the zero uh, one Enzo, not the one zero Enzo. So this is, this is younger version. He's been recently born. <laughs> So what do we have for the game this week? Uh, so this is kind of a D&D-ish game, but I, we've done a lot of D&D-ish games already. <laughs> so I thought I'd talk about something else. Uh, I went with Castlevania. So it was first published by Konami for the family computer disk system. That was the video game console it was created for. <laughs> and eventually reformatted for cartridge for the NES uh, in 1987. And then later reissued for the family computer in cartridge format in 1993. I really want to know what this family computer disk system was. <laughs> it's really intriguing me. So this game takes place, if you're not familiar with Castlevania, back in the 1600s. And you're trying to defeat the vampire Dracula, which may or may not sound familiar to you. <laughs> and this is actually a whole series. So Konami had a whole series of Castlevania games. So there's Castlevania Cheese Simon's Quest. Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse. There is even a, a fourth game retelling the events of the first game uh, from 1991 for Super NES. And then another remake, Castlevania Chronicles for PlayStation in 1995. More recently, there is a Netflix TV series for Castlevania. So if you really wanted to go down the Castlevania rabbit hole, you could. But it's got like that really fun, dark dungeon crawl feel to it, which is really nice, which I thought kind of worked well with this. 
And there was there's a bit of a platformer feel to this game, I think, where you've got like the drawbridge that has to come down and you know, like watch where you step kind of thing or else you'll you'll make the tooth go away. <laughs> so I went with that. How about you, Ben? Would you play this game or did you play Castlevania? Were you a Castlevania fan? I'm not familiar with Castlevania, honestly. Like, uh I know it's usually compared with Metroid for its like um exploration and not nonlinear kind of levels i did just learn the word metrovania yeah that's a, they're, they're usually combined um but I, I have played metroid but i have not played castlevania i know i played it when i was very young over at my my uncle in texas had the game and we played over there but i didn't live in texas so i only got to play it when i visited <laughs> which was not often um but i really enjoyed the new cartoon but i i, I kind of like I don't say I like dark horror games because if it's something like Dark Souls or something, I probably aren't, I'm not going to play it where it's just, you know, mm-hmm. a kind of game where there's no real story. Or you're not really trying to reach a goal. You're just trying to survive. Like that doesn't really interest me. But if it was a little bit more story driven, which I believe Castlevania is, I would totally be on that, especially platformer stuff. I, I love platformers. They're so much fun. Yeah, no, me, me too. Um, here's just a side note when you were asking about the Famicom disk system. Mm-hmm. So the Famicom was just the the Japanese version of the NES, and then the disc system was instead of using cartridges, they had floppy disks. Oh my god, floppy disks! And I feel like this show has really brought out the nostalgia in me for that era in general. Like it, it's not just for the show, but for things like VCR mm-hmm. and floppy disks, and yeah, <laughs> having to type a code into the computer to make the gameplay. It's you know. I mean, we we went as far back as uh, text adventure games last week. So we did, which I never even played as a kid. This was something I came into later. <laughs> we're that generation of millennials that still grew up with the old technology. We were like on that cusp of transition, so it's really weird to like think back in that time. It was a very short period of time where all this stuff existed, and now it's all gone already. <laughs> it was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so today's theme is everyone's old. today's episode Andrea's old Enzo's old Ben and Jessica are old it's great I have to adjust my glasses here so I can look at this screen this is wrong this is all wrong so uh, in the course of watching this episode Jessica did you find yourself a frosty moment you know I had a hard time with a frosty moment for this one there wasn't anything that kind of like jumped out to me as a you know I really want to remember this uh, but I'm going to go with uh, a little a little touch that I thought was really fun, which was Andrea's alien design. We have her like normal like fishy, her alien suit was just like her fishy stuff. Uh, but her her fishbowl helmet that she was in had like a literal fish in it, like swimming <laughs> around. <laughs> I don't think I even noticed that. <laughs> and it was just like, it just like that little touch to be like, oh, FYI, this is this is Andrea, like even from outside of a, a color scheme kind of thing, like you can tell like this is the this is the fish one. So I thought that was really fun. So that that gets my frosty moment for today. Well, we're kind of on the same page because yeah, I think my frosty moment has to go I was gonna go for that whole Mars attack scene, actually, because it was really the only part of the episode I actually liked. Oh no <laughs> But I think special mention goes to the Frisket alien. Oh yes, I did love his design. He was great. And I loved that his subtitled Akinese was just woof woof. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love the subtitle jokes. 
So uh, Jan McCormick on Facebook, she says that as soon as she heard the new intro, she rushed to get a blank VHS tape in the VCR and hit record as soon as possible. Speaking of your uh, 90s technology. Jan knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, We also get Vindolf Dwarf. He missed the previous episode and spent the whole time in shock, only getting caught up a few episodes later. That would have been real confusing. So David Cabrera says this was the first season three episode on Cartoon Network in 2000 and he was lost. Um, he thought he was watching a reboot of Reboot until they mentioned their names. <laughs> and so he had to wait until they replayed seasons one to three to catch up. That would definitely be a thing. But like I said, I think this one is actually a pretty good episode of Charbentio. They've got a lot of the exposition in there. So if you're going to just start this show, Captain Kugels uh, says <laughs> this episode was a total mind blow. Uh, Mainframe isn't the show anymore. Most of the cast is gone. And what characters are left have aged like 15 years. It speaks to the quality of the show, though, that such a drastic change was fully embraced. Which, I mean, yeah, you do have to give them that. Not every show will just get rid of the vast majority of their cast to go into a new direction. Yeah. Nolan Hayes agrees with you that the uh, opening definitely spoils the reveal, and that, but that it establishes the new status quo very fast and is tonally very bleak and subdued. And even Gavin got into it to let us know that he finally got to put in his Zena and Gabrielle reference. <laughs> uh, Dan was the one that wanted the Flash reference, and the wise one is indeed Mel Brooks, at least in spirit. <laughs> we have a very special announcement in regards to our Patreon, because we have our first and so far only $40 megabyte level backer. I don't believe this. <laughs> I was shocked. I didn't think that was something that would actually happen. I was like, oh, you're throwing it in there. It'll be fun. In fact, I was hoping that no one would pick it because it just (laughs) puts so much pressure on me. (laughs) We keep telling you guys to back, but you're really just giving Ben a heart attack. Yeah. (laughs) Every new backer just puts more and more pressure on me to actually keep doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, but thanks to Cameron O'Hara. Yeah, seriously, Cameron. That was amazing. Since Matrix today was giving out all computer-themed nicknames, uh, Cameron, you shall be Solid State. Ooh, Cameron, Solid State O'Hara. In addition to that, uh, Cameron will get a sticker. He will get to write an intro and outro for one of our episodes, and Cameron will get to guest star. Excited for Cameron to come on the show. You'll just have to let us know uh, through Patreon which uh, which episode you wanted to co-host on, and we'll be happy to have you. It should be fun. And thank you again, because it's, like, amazing, so... Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) We're three people away from our goal for the video game. So, I mean, I'll be honest, I already bought the video game. So I'm prepped. Don't let her money be wasted in vain. I have to plug in my PS2 (laughs) and see if everything still works, but I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. Well, is there anything you want to recommend to our lovely listeners this week? Yeah, actually, I just started a new podcast called Film Reroll. And what it is, is a podcast where a group of D&D players start a movie. (laughs) So they do Jumanji, they do Rogue One, they do Jurassic Park, and they start out as the characters in the movie. But because it's D&D, it can end up going completely off the rails from what the movie originally started out as. (laughs) So you could... You can try pulling off the same move as the characters in the TV show or in the movies, but then you roll that die and you roll a one, and suddenly 
Indiana Jones just died. Oh no! So, <laughs> so it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, it's a really interesting podcast. The guys are really good improvisers and actors. They obviously really enjoy both the movies and the game of PB. So it's really it's really fun to listen to. And you can just jump in on a movie, so you don't have to listen to the full podcast like in order. You can just like pick one, and they'll just. They just do that with me, so that's pretty good to listen to. You can jump around. <laughs> nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. How about you, Ben? I don't have anything really new to recommend, but because it's relevant to my weekend, I'll recommend the Greatest Generation podcast. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. And uh, they've gone through at this point the entire series of The Next Generation and have just finished season two of Deep Space Nine at this point, I think. So it's a lot of fun. It's filthy humor um, with a lot of recurring gags, so you kind of want to go in order. But uh, that's what I've been listening along with while I watch the series myself, so... Sounds good. So what are we looking at next week, Jessica? Well, it's funny you should mention Star Trek. Oh, (laughs) why is that? Next week, we're going where no Sprite has gone before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, that waveform looks awful. (laughs) I hope you all enjoyed that. Because you'll never enjoy sound again. (laughs) This is the full-on Star Trek parody that you've been waiting for. Yeah! (laughs) No more with these little, like, side references. This is the Star Trek episode. And then they never reference it again, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. (laughs) Just got it all out of their system. (laughs) We also get to see a kind of familiar face, maybe? We'll see. Kind of familiar face. Yeah. Is it the the biker chick? (laughs) You'll find out. It's interesting. All right. So yeah, so you can always find us online. Join the conversation. uh, Incoming Game Pod on Twitter. or Incoming Game Cast on Facebook. And IncomingGameCast.com. You can always find me online at Dudworks. D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S. You can find me online at Sturvino Lady. That's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O Lady. Our theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. And... Stay frosty, folks. That's what I said. Well, sounds great. Um, Whoa. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's the good content people pay for it.